0: This is Rachel Helm. You are listening to Afternoon Bloom. This week we're going to be talking about baristas and yeah, we can't really talk about coffee without talking about baristas. They really work hand in hand. Uh, Obviously, (laughs) I kind of meant to say roasters and baristas work hand in hand, but nobody's perfect. All right. Yeah, I've been working as a barista for about the same amount of time. I've been working as a roaster, and um, it's definitely a lot of fun to switch between different jobs and kind of put on different hats for the day. Uh, There's absolutely a different kind of energy and pulse that goes on when you're working as a barista rather than when you're roasting and kind of mellow and smelling, and it's a very different scene. So I I definitely like the different um, environments, but you know, everything, everything comes in, in good little doses. So (laughs) I pick and choose what I feel like. But, uh, yeah, baristas are amazing. I give so much credit to baristas because for the longest time, I feel like baristas have had such a rough rep and, uh, I'm here to stick up for them. I am, I know so much about being a barista. Um, my sisters will, gladly make fun of me because they can make killer latte art and I cannot but you know there's more to being a barista than you know your latte art. You could be making a beautiful cup of coffee and it could taste like shit so come at me all right. (laughs) So let's just get down to the bones of what a barista is. Directly translated uh, barista just means uh, it just translates to bar person and Due to Italy's huge influence on coffee, uh, it's kind of shifted to this point where um, barista really only refers to somebody solely um, brewing and serving coffee. So uh, there there are lots of jobs uh, for a barista to do. It seems like there's not very much, but it's it's the same if not harder for a barista to work than a roaster to work, and... um, it really, you, a good barista comes from somebody who can communicate to the roaster and understand because basically when it comes down to it, a roaster does all the work from the beans to, you know, once they've been roasted, finished product, we have a profile developed, all the things that we've been talking about in the last few episodes. And a barista has the huge responsibility of making sure that you get that coffee and it tastes the way it's intended to and it's brewed in, in so many different ways, but that it makes it's still highlighting everything that's great about that bean and all the different forms of brewing. And we're going to be talking about brewing methods soon, so I don't want to dive too much into that, but we'll kind of base this episode solely on baristas and espresso-based drinks and, um, you know, how that kind of all plays together. So, baristas, as I said, have a bad rep. And, you know, even leading up to coffee, like when I started at Las Chicas as a coffee roaster, I thought I was kind of working as a barista. And to be honest, I thought it was just some job, I think, as most people do, when they enter into the coffee, uh, the coffee community, you just kind of think it's going to be one of those quick jobs, you're going to work as a barista, make some money, finish college, move on with your life. Uh, and So that's where, you know, you can fall into traps of getting some bad coffee over and over and over again from baristas who don't really care that much, and that's okay. But uh, in the last 20 years, there's been this huge um, shift, and we kind of call it the third wave of coffee. And I'm sure this is kind of a term that you've heard a lot of different times, but uh, I can, I'll I'll break down what that means. So the first wave um, was... The initial production of all those really dark, they call it, like, the homey homey coffees of, like, you know, the Tin, Folgers, Maxwell, all that stuff that you're drinking at home and brewing for your family, and having that kind of access to coffee was the first wave. The second wave in coffee was when Starbucks took over and kind of introduced this new, um, intrigue for espresso and espresso-based drinks, and, um different origins and highlighting what those mean so that was kind of the second wave of getting it out to people in a way that they can you know you're still getting your quick cup of coffee to go and that was a big deal but the fact that you can still think I'm getting a great Costa Rican from Starbucks in the drive-thru this is so cool that was kind of the second wave and then the third wave um is kind of this modern take on coffee and coffee roasteries and really narrowing down what a single varietal does, what a blend does versus, you know, something, a single varietal, or um, yeah, there's, there's kind of this new heightened level of coffee appreciation that's really booming in the last 10 years, and that's where baristas nowadays, there's kind of this expectation that it's almost like sommelier type expectation, like they, they expect you to know where it's coming from, what, what flavors come out of that origin uh you know how is this different how is a Nicaraguan different from a African and baristas have to absorb all of that knowledge so I'm lucky that we just get coffee from Nicaragua and it's from one region and I can nail down what all the different processes and varietals do but it's just in one area so I've like super condensed knowledge of this one area and the cafe that I work at serves our coffee. So we're able to give those baristas all the knowledge they need. Um, But take my sister, for example, who's hopping from cafe to cafe. She's absorbing knowledge from all over the world. And it's, it's almost overwhelming for her all the time. She's, she's coming to me just stressed out, like, I don't know the difference. and, And I don't blame her. It's, it's, it's a lot to take in. and, And from my point of view, I'm really excited that the consumers are asking for more and that they want to know more. And um, I've always said coffee is a culinary art and it's like fine dining. And people are learning that it's worth the price to pay for a good cup of coffee and My biggest thing is once you've eaten an amazing meal, you should have an amazing cup of coffee and there should be more attention paid to the fact that somebody's put so much care into roasting this, somebody has put so much care into brewing it and, you know, this whole trickle effect of um, just everybody asking for more and I think it's amazing. (laughs) So... The next thing I want to talk about when it comes to baristas, and I didn't learn this until I was a barista, is everybody thinks they know something different about coffee. And I'll give you that. I'm just starting a coffee podcast, so I am not to say anything, but customers... Um, The second wave really brainwashed a lot of people when it came to coffee. And it's why this third wave is really, it's like this huge rebellion of people being like, no, that's not how it's actually done. That's not how it should taste. You're drinking burnt espresso and walking away with it like like let's get some better standards here people so a big thing is like what are you actually ordering when you go to a cafe so many people when when I started at Streamliners Espresso Bar which is owned by my boss from Las Chicas del Cafe and she opened this cafe and um and she wanted to start with very traditional recipes just like traditional and I didn't know the difference between traditional and anything else. I just assumed every latte was going to be the same everywhere you go. Wouldn't you think? Well, no. Um, there's, there's so many things like, uh, where do I begin with this? Okay. Like let's break down what are the drinks. So if you're ordering a latte versus a cappuccino versus a flat white versus a cortado versus all these things, you know, there's so many drinks and so many cafes take their own take on that coffee. So, um, you know, some people might serve an, a latte with two shots just so that they can give you more volume in your cup, which is fair. But, you know, a latte, traditional speaking, has one shot and then, you know, six ounces, eight ounces of um steamed milk whereas a cappuccino has two shots of espresso and really steamed milk so it's more frothy there's more air in that milk so you get kind of a stronger taste of the espresso and this sounds so silly but baristas work so hard perfecting their milk to the point where they can make sure that if you're ordering a cappuccino that milk is going to be steamed differently than a latte and steaming milk people is really hard (laughs) and it takes a lot of practice and every espresso machine has different uh, settings on how they how you work the steamer so it's just it's way more complicated than it seems. Like when my mom was on vacation, she was like, I got this latte and it didn't have latte art and it was so bad. And I'm like, I can't do latte art. That doesn't mean my milk isn't bad. Like it doesn't mean it's bad, but it's, there's so many tricks and, and it really depends on where you go. Like some cafes only train their baristas to get that latte art down. So they just spend 90% of their time uh, practicing milk and, and showing techniques on, you know, you got to start high and pour slow and bring it down and speed it up. And there's all these little tricks when it comes to steaming milk and um, pouring milk. And it's truly a craft. I put my hand out to anybody who can do amazing art because it, it takes a long time to figure it out. But at the same time, so often than not, those cafes are serving these beautiful lattes. With shitty coffee underneath that milk, and it's so disappointing. So, it's just kind of this step by step thing of communicating with your roaster what that bean should taste like when it's brewed in an espresso versus when it's brewed in a pour over versus when it's brewed in a percolator. And then making sure, you know, when you add milk, you should have this flavor note or it should complement it in this way. And a huge part of my job as a roaster is visiting cafes and making sure their baristas know what they're doing because, I mean, how bad do you feel as a barista to be like I don't really know what I'm doing you know it's kind of like this this structure of making sure everybody's setting each other up for success and I mean it sounds so dumb but there's so many cafes where they they ignore that step and you know focus on the aesthetic and the food and everything else and you know all the power to them they they do well in those in those aspects but you know when it comes down to coffee it's a huge education thing between the roaster and the barista now the kind of third step from that is the barista um just like i was saying with the third wave the barista has this new um it's kind of like this said and also unsaid thing that baristas need to be communicating to the consumer and whether the consumer expects it or not it's the barista's job to share that knowledge and and explain you know you're paying this much for this coffee because of this and this is where it came from and this is how much work it took to get that bean to where we are today and you know the roaster put so much work in and I put so much work in making sure I use this milk and serving it this way to you and maybe steaming the cup so that it's served at the right temperature for you to take home and all these little details that um, everybody has a responsibility really and baristas have you know, they're the tail end of the chain, and if they aren't sharing that information, it's never going to get out. And also kind of in hand-in-hand in hand with that, baristas have to find a way to communicate what the roasters are saying sensory-wise and make it make sense to the consumer. So if you're picking up chocolate and pomegranate and, I don't know, we name off some really crazy things, you need to make sure the consumer understands what that means because sometimes people only hear, you know, lemon. And they're like, how did you put lemon in my coffee? It's like, it's not in the coffee. It's just a trade of the coffee. And it's this whole, you know, system down like that. Another thing with baristas that I had no idea until I started was there are so many very legit competitions for baristas. And I giggle thinking about how naive I was uh, when I first started because there are like, national barista competitions, there are huge Taster Choice Awards, there are, like, so many serious competitions for baristas. And when I tell people, they kind of, like, they still laugh at me, I get it, I'm I, i um, I'm still finding a way to be able to stand up and be like, this is real, stop laughing at me for this. Uh, because, the you know, people don't even understand what would a barista competition even entail? And, you know, they go through three rounds of, you know, the first round's an espresso route and you have to make sure that your station's clean and you're, when you're measuring the coffee, you only measure once and, you know, your espressos all come out within three seconds of each other and they're served within 30 seconds of each other and there's all these technicalities of kind of just showcasing how comfortable you are in front of the espresso machine and how comfortable you are serving and expressing everything about that coffee and it's all timed and there's, you know, three rounds and creating this signature drink at the end. And, um, there's just this whole community of people competing in coffee that, um, it, it still has a long way to go before people see it as anything truly recognizable, I think, but I think that we're getting there. I really think, um, people, the baristas are getting the recognition they deserve more and more. Um, and it's really exciting. So, for example, in one of the competitions, uh, like they, they do lots of different competitions, but my twin sister Shelby just competed in this latte art throwdown kind of thing. And... Um, <laughs> I I don't know the specific rules of every latte art competition. I think they kind of change. It's kind of like a cupping you do what you want, but they set up these rounds of like the first round's a heart, the second round's a leaf, the third round is whatever you like a free pour they call it. And Shelby competed and um I guess she had made like a tulip With a heart in the middle, something so fancy to me, I can't even imagine pouring something like that. And she got disqualified in the first round. And I guess it was because she was only supposed to make a heart, but she added a tulip and then put the heart in the middle. And there's all these like fine, fine details about the competition that I even laugh about because I've never done a latte art competition, but uh, I just thought that was so funny. I'm like, you're doing a competition to showcase how great you are, and you did something. Something so badass and you got disqualified uh it it stings a little bit for her still but I think that's so great um and I love that baristas have come to that point where they're like nope doesn't actually suit suit what's happening here <laughs> And really all, uh, all latte art really proves at the end of the day is that your milk was steamed well, well enough and incorporated enough that you could create something. So, so the bottom line of latte art, the fact that you can make those little patterns, um, shows you that you've incorporated it and steamed it and poured it well enough that the, that the coffee is, Coming up to surface, and it's creating this microfoam. And I mean, it really just shows what a good latte is. That's not to say that you could have a lot, like an incredible latte that just has a little circle. In fact, in the world barista competitions, um, all they ask for you to do is just a little circle. Like, you don't have to do latte art. Um, and the trick with that is if you do, it has to be exactly the same on all three cups. and people obviously when they compete they get really fancy with it but the the last girl and might I add the only uh female winner of the brisa competition ever uh she just did hearts the whole way through, which I can make a heart. Okay, so it's not that hard. It's She just did this simple less is more. Um, it was so fucking legendary uh, for us in the coffee industry because there's this huge warped um, thing with uh, men kind of dominating the uh, barista competitions. And there's just been this huge push in the last... Uh, few years to get more women involved. So that was a huge moment. Uh, we can talk about that more at another time, but that was just really, really cool. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about all the different ways you can brew coffee Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Afternoon Bloom. This is Rachel Helm. You can find me on Instagram at HelmRach. You can find Afternoon Bloom on Instagram at Afternoon Bloom. And you can find Jacob Anstey on Instagram at Gene underscore Daddy. Uh, Jacob here did all the original intro and outro music for this podcast. He also produced and edited this podcast. So thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. (laughs)